welcome again for those of you that are joining us, wherever you are joining us from. We're so glad to have you here uh, a part of Antioch West and experiencing Antioch West virtual today. Uh, again, wherever you may be joining us, we welcome you and um, we're so thankful uh, to have you. And even in the midst of this difficult time where so many of us are looking for some semblance of normalcy and we can't seem to find it, uh, we hope and wish and uh, extend our uh, warm season greetings to all of you and uh, hope you have a wonderful Christmas, but more importantly, be safe. Have a safe Christmas. Uh, and so if you're joining us today for the first time, again, we're always glad to have you uh, with us. I want to share something uh, this morning, and um, I say this, I need to start like, putting certain things on loop because I feel like I just repeat them over and over again. And this being one of the things I seem like I repeat a lot, and that is that it's my desire uh, to um, come on here and simply um, speak what God has given me to speak. Not to give you the words of a man, but hopefully to speak to you what the Lord has put in my heart to share with you. And um, so... As I seek God for that and ask God for that, some some semblance of prayer uh, goes uh, kind of like this, where I, I ask God, I say, Lord, these are uh, these people that are coming on who are watching, uh, you know exactly where they are. And I'm asking you, Lord, that what do you want to say today? What do you want to speak? How do you want to speak? Lord, let your words be spoken. It may not be exactly how I pray every week, but in that vein, because ultimately... Again, my words mean nothing. Honestly, um, my wisdom means nothing. Paul said that he did not come with enticing words of man's wisdom. He says this in Corinthians. He said, I don't come with enticing words of man's wisdom, but demonstration of spirit and power. Uh, that your faith should not be in, in man, but in God. Um, and so I don't come to you today with fancy words and fancy speeches and... Uh, alliterations and similes and all kinds of fancy grammar to try to wow you into uh, understanding something. Because you know what? The Bible says that uh, the truth of the Word of God and who God is comes through revelation. Uh, John chapter 6, verse 44, 45 says that no one comes to me except the Father draws him. That was the words of Jesus. And so, uh, again, as God speaks to our heart, um, he brings revelation. And uh, so I was praying this morning and I was seeking the Lord. And there was a couple of things that were sort of bouncing around in my head, if you want to call it that, over the last couple of days. And nothing seemed to um, uh, fit. And um, I, I, I learned a long time ago, when you don't know what to say, try don't say anything at all. Even though I have to admit I haven't always done that perfectly. But it's a good lesson to learn. And so uh, this morning in prayer, the Lord uh, began to speak a verse of Scripture to me. Um, it's a very familiar passage of, passage of Scripture to a lot of us. Um, but I want to read it to you for the context of what the Lord spoke to me. Um, Matthew chapter 16, we find this story referenced in three Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all reference this Gospel. But... Uh, I believe Matthew gives us the biggest um, descriptive narrative. Matthew chapter 16, 
and verse number 13 uh, is this. When Jesus came unto the region, region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood does not has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us, against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now, that 13 through 20, it's eight verses there, seven, eight verses. There is such an immensity to unpack. We could go for hours on so much of that. But I want to focus for the next few minutes on the one single question that Jesus asks them. Because we are living in an age of opinion. We are living in the age of opinion. We are living in the age of misinformation. We are, in the, we are living in the age where if you have a camera or you have access to the internet, you can share your opinion for thousands, if not millions, to read. And because of that, we are living in the age where originality is becoming lost in the sea of opinion. Because everybody has an opinion based off someone else's opinion, and therefore we find ourselves repeating what others say and very often finding out really what we feel and what we think because everything is so challenged today and we're so exposed to so much information. It is amazing to me. I am, some of you know this, but some of you may not, I am a student of history. I studied history in college. I have been a, I have been a, a, a history junkie all my life. I enjoy studying history. I enjoy studying different um, eras of history. Um, I feel like I have a pretty good hold on most of the major errors, er, er, eras of, uh, and the errors, <laughs> eras of history. Um, and so when I make this statement, I don't think I can say it definitively, but I feel like I can say it from a an area of just simply uh, just an opinion. I feel like there is some some semblance of research to back this up. There has never been a time where we were exposed to more information than we are exposed to today. Um, I believe I read this, and I can't remember exactly how it was stated, so I'm going to take a stab at getting the gist of it right. And even though I may not get the complete word-for-word -word phrasing of it correctly, but there are more doctors, science, scientists, and engineers living today than all, all human history combined. So if you take the number of doctors engineers and scientists living today, you take that number and then you add up all of the doctors, scientists, and engineers that have lived 
up to this point, there's more living at this time than have lived in all of combined human recorded history. That is a staggering statement when you think about it because that proves that we have uh, access to more information. And now with the, uh, with the, with the, the, the takeover of the internet and now social media has all, all of this has sort of just fueled, the best way I could say it, fueled information. We are information. I, I find myself uh, the, within uh, the beginning of my day going to my phone to read about news or to look up what's going on in the world because I'm getting fed information. When I turn on my phone in the morning, it's usually filled with, with alerts over information, things that have happened while we were sleeping, other parts of the world where news was happening or things that are taking place that day. We are filled with information, information, information. There's information about everything. There's opinions about everything. And, and I'm not saying that there's not something inherently wrong with any of this. But within the context of what Jesus is asking here, the first thing he asks is, he says, who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they begin to list what was said. Well, they said some say that you are uh, Elijah. Some say that you are the prophets. Others say that you are John the Baptist. Um, others say that you're a teacher. Others say that you are this. Others say that you're that. Others say that this is the case. And all that's fine. Some say you're the healer. Don't forget that this takes place in the narrative between Jesus feeding the 4,000 and Jesus feeding the 5,000. So someone could have said, look, some say you're the healer. Some say you're the provider. Some say that you're the way maker. Some say that you're the miracle worker. Uh, some say you're the peace giver. Some say that you're the, you're the hope. You're, some say that you're life. Some say that you're joy. You can put whatever you want into that because there's truth to that. There's, there's truth to these things. That he is all these things. And, and it's wonderful and, and fine to talk about those things. There's nothing inherently wrong. I'm not trying to say to you that we should become, uh, people that shun information. Not all information is wrong. Not all information is bad. I believe there's a, there's sort of a line there, but you have to find that line for yourself. But see, Jesus wasn't looking for opinion. Jesus wasn't looking for what others say because he comes back, and this is the question that the Lord brought to my attention this morning in prayer. He asked this question to them in verse number 15. He basically kind of alludes to it without saying it. He said, that's all well and good, but that's not really what I'm asking. He says, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Now, Let's back up here for a moment and let's just look at some facts. I would have never have imagined I said this to a group of leaders last week. I'll say it again today in more of a public setting. I could not have imagined even last year if you would have told me. I, um, some of you don't know my story. I was born and raised in a church my father was a pastor when I was born. My mother was the worship leader when I was born. So 
I began going to church literally the week after I was born, and I have been going to church, um, and that's a discussion for another day, uh, for my entire life. Um, that's 40 years. And within the context of that, because mostly uh, my parents were pastors, and um, and then as I got older, um, my wife and I have been involved in pastoring in some um, some shape or form for about the last uh, 12 years, 13 years. And so when you combine all that, uh, most of my life has not only been uh, been spent in church, but as a part of uh, some kind of leadership role within that church, even if it was not me, but my parents. I said all that to make the context of um, within that frame of 40 years of being in church, I can only remember literally one time. This was back when I was 13 years old and my parents took uh, my, my, my brother and I uh, on, on a vacation that lasted uh, several weekends. And that was the first time and the only time in my entire life that I have missed multiple Sunday mornings in a row. Now, I'm not saying that to give me a pat on the back. I know some of you, uh, through no fault of your own, uh, have had seasons where you weren't able to attend or be a part of Sunday morning for various reasons. I don't say that to get any kind of brownie points. So don't take that if you haven't. I'm not guilting anyone by saying that. I'm trying to make a statement of context. Saying all that, you could have never told me that I would not attend a physical church gathering for nine straight months. If you'd have told me that a year ago, I would have told you, what planet did you fall off of? And if I would have told you that the government would have been part of the reason why we couldn't have done it, I would have said, my God, it wouldn't have happened. We are the United States of America. Can't happen in the red, white, and blue. Our country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, on thee I stand. Not here in America. But we all know that this has not been a normal year. We've experienced things we never thought we would experience. We've seen things we never thought we would see. Uh, I made the statement last week. I'll say it again because it just is somewhat shocking to hear someone say this. But the friend of mine, I was on the phone with him, and uh, he was speaking of the fact he works in a retirement home. And he has people in that home that range uh, from ages 80 to 100. And I think 105 was the oldest uh, resident that lives in that home. And he made the statement, I believe there was a man, he was 96, 97. I can't remember what, exactly what he was. Uh, but his parents and therefore his grandparents have lived, had lived through some of the most um, substantial moments of American history. Uh, grandparents were a part of the Civil War, lived during the time of the Civil War. Parents were alive during World War I, the Great Depression, World War II. All of these major events, he had been alive, uh, being that age, he had been alive through wars and political upheaval and social and economic change and the civil rights movement and the chaos of the 60s and the and, and and the craziness of the 70s and the sort of 
economic and world tension of the 80s. And then we got into the 90s and uh, that seemed like a, a decade where things kind of skipped along. And then 2001 shows up September 11th. We all remember where we were when the Twin Towers came crashing down and the plane crashed in Pennsylvania and the Pentagon was also hit and it changed the face of our world forever. These are defining moments that we remember. Those of you that were alive remember where you were when John F. Kennedy was killed. Those of you that remember where you were when you heard the news that MLK, uh, Dr. King was shot and killed. These are defining moments of time and history that are stamped into our memory. But this man makes the statement. He said, I have never seen heard or been alive during a period of time like this. That's staggering. Now, if I say that, I mean, come on, I don't have much. I don't have much street cred to go along with that statement. But when a 97-year-old who says, I haven't heard my parents or my grandparents or myself experience anything like this have happened, and this is coming from a man who hasn't been able to leave his retirement home since February, that only contact he's had with his family is through either telephone or through a glass partition because of being needed to be protected from COVID-19. This is crazy when you think about it. I get it. I don't have to keep talking about it. We all know it's the great elephant in the room. We all know 2020 hasn't exactly turned out the way that we all thought. It has been staggering to think of things from a church world to a natural world uh, that we have been experienced and we have um, we have dealt with uh, in being uh, Wednesday, starting Wednesday. The restaurants here in the county that we're currently in, which is Anne Arundel County in the state of Maryland, restaurants will be closed again. Only uh, only takeout will be allowed. Uh, certain other venues will shut down. That's crazy to me to think that you will that we live in a time where you can't even go to a restaurant and sit down. And I know other states where you're at, you may not be experiencing that, but it's the reality of where we are. I said all that to say that in this period of time, so much of what we have thought or understood or what we grabbed a hold of has been completely stripped away. We have dealt with things. We have battled fears. We have had to deal with certain aspects. I mean, come on. Who would imagine we'd have to go to the store holding our breath that there would be toilet paper or paper towels? There was a recent run on paper towels. Don't come to my house. I got plenty of them. We have stocked up. We have got paper towels. We're not running out of paper towels or toilet paper for the rest of COVID. I will guarantee you this. My wife has got us fully stocked for any kind of emergency spill or cleanup that is necessary. We've got it. So we will be rationing out our paper towels by the sheet if we ever get to that. But we walked into Costco the other day. And if you're a member of Costco... Um, when you walk into the right there, uh, literally you heard like these voices singing out like, ah, because for the first time, and I don't even remember how long there was Clorox, Clorox wipes, Clorox wipes were right there for you to touch and purchase. I'm telling you that right now, you'd have thought they were giving away candy because I'm telling you within about 10 minutes, I guarantee that entire palette was gone. Thankfully, we got there at the right place in the right time. When we walked in, 
I literally, this is one of those crazy things. I see it out of the corner of my eye, Clorox wipes. I'm walking along and all of a sudden I stop. My wife is in front of me and I stopped. I said, we got to go back. And I kind of startled her. She goes, what's wrong? I said, I think they've got Clorox wipes. Legit, real, name brand, the real thing. Lo and behold, we went around. It was a five pack. Come on now, a five pack. I walked in the gas station the other day. They were selling individual Lysol. They were like 15 bucks. We won't even go into price gouging. But this was five, five packs of Clorox wipes. Just want to get them out and rub them all over my body. Just because I need to be decontaminated. But it was, it was amazing. I would have never thought I'd have got excited. You should have seen my wife. Now, my wife is an absolute ninja when it comes to cleaning. She can tell you wipes. She can break it down. She can tell you how it needs to happen. So when my wife saw that, it was like uh, being called back to the mothership. She saw the Clorox wipes and she's like, this is finally, I got it. It's amazing how we would have been excited about Clorox wipes. But that's just the way the world is. That's what we're dealing with in 2020. I said all that to say it has challenged us to our very core. But within all that, the thing that really has challenged the most is not necessarily our view of the world. It's not necessarily our view of uh, infectious diseases. It's not necessarily our view of the political system of our country. Mask or no mask, government or state, federal or state, should we or should we not? COVID or no COVID, vaccine or no vaccine. That's not really what it's challenged. It's really challenged one major thing for those of us that are believers because so much of what we have used to reference who God is has been stripped away. Because you know what? When you don't have anywhere to worship, you can't say, well, who do you say that I am? Well, my pastor says that you're this. Or I was watching this guy or watching this woman and they said God is this or God is that or God is this or this or this church believes this or just church believes that. All of that is irrelevant. The real question today that I believe God wants all of us to ask ourselves is who do you say that I am? Can I ask you this, and I don't have the answer for you, and I've not come with an answer, I've come with a question today, because ultimately the answer really really lies in you. You could give me the cookie cutter answer, you could give me the party line, you could spit it out and tell me, but really how you live is your answer. Your answer really isn't necessarily what you say, your answer is in really how you live. So when I ask you the question, who do you say Jesus is? Not a church, not me, not my wife, not whoever else you see on a screen, or even if you can go to a church building today and you can be a part of a gathering of some type and you hear a man or a woman who speaks about God. I'm not asking about that. I'm not saying, well, I heard this guy say, or I heard, I read this book. and I No, 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 no. Take all that out and take it out. Let's get rid of that for a minute. Who do you say Jesus is to you? Well, you know what? We can start, oh, he's God. He's this Lord. He's my Savior. I want to give praise and God to him, Lord, to Savior of my life. I mean, I, I, I'm not making fun at all to point this out, but I, I, I've been around situations. I've seen people that, you know, been at funerals, and everyone that comes up there says, I want to give 
I'm going to give honor to the Lord and Savior of, my, of, of Jesus Christ, the Lord of my life. I'm not, I'm not doubting their sincerity, but do you live like that? Is that the way you live? Do you live like he is the Lord and Savior, the leader, the king of your life, the, the supreme ruler of your life? Some people say, well, God is my source. Do you live like that? Do you, is that the way you live? When I, when I, if I watched a, a clip of the last week of your life, if I watched your, the last month, if I, if I went back and watched how you lived the last nine months of COVID, would I come away with the answer, yep, the Lord is the source of their life? Well, we all, no, well I, I, that's the way it is. Well, I'm, I'm asking you, your answer is not what you say. Your answer is in how you live. Because in the end, heaven's entrance is not going to be a multiple choice question. Heaven's entrance is not going to be a fill in the blank question. The entrance into heaven is going to be determined by action more than just simply word. Are words important? Absolutely. The Bible says that I believe and I speak. That faith comes through speaking. But Proverbs says, as a man thinketh, so shall he be. Jesus said the difference between the wise and the foolish was that both heard the word, but the wise did what the word said. James says, faith without works is dead. Now, I'm not simply saying that we start doing action without any understanding of why we're doing the action. But when I ask you the question, who do you say that I am? You might spit out the revelation that you have heard or what your someone has said, but ultimately it's how you live. Because watch this. I want you to see something here. He says, who do you say that I am? And of course, Peter pipes up and says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also give to you, I also say to you that you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ. Now watch this. We're going to continue reading now. Verse 21. From that time, from that time, what time? From the time he asked the question, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders, Chief priests, scribes, be killed, be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far from it, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to him, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. What a contrast here. And this is what I'm talking about. I'm talking the... I'm talking about the warning of just spitting out the answers. Because, listen, I know Jesus gave Peter a pat on the back. Good job, Peter. That was awesome. Correct answer. This didn't happen through flesh and blood, but through my Father who's revealed this unto you. Your name shall be called Peter. Upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. I get all that. Congratulations. But then Jesus said, yeah, but I don't know you guys get it. Because here's the point. Don't forget, this is sandwiched between 
feeding 4,000 and feeding 5,000. This is happening during a time where Jesus is healing the sick, raising the dead, blind eyes are being opened, the lame are walking. This is during a period of time where Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees, speaking revelation. I mean, calming water, walking on water. I mean, there's some crazy stuff happening. Before and after these events. This is a major. This is not happening from a guy who walks out of the wilderness and says, Hey, by the way, who am I? This is things that is happening. Life is pretty amazing right now. Is there struggle? Sure. But this is watching God do miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And he asked him, Who do you say that I am? Peter says, Of course, you're. You're Christ, the son of the living God. Of course, you're the, you're, the, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're it. You're the dude. But you know what? I don't know if he really believed that. You said, well, Jesus told him good job. Yeah, he did. But I think Jesus was saying, you got part of it, but I don't know if you've got it all yet, Peter. Because here, just right after that, Peter goes, uh... This is not going to happen to you, Lord. You're not going to go up there and be killed. You can't be killed. Wait a minute. Isaiah had already prophesied. Psalms had already prophesied that the Messiah would come and would die. Would die. There was already a prophetic word of the Messiah. And he said, you are the Messiah, but yet I'm going to keep you from having to go down the road that was already proclaimed over you. You see, Peter knew it. In one way, but he wasn't living it because we know this because the same guy that said you're the Christ, the son of the living God, is the same guy that three times said, you know what, I don't even know who he is. I don't even know him. I'm not the guy you think I am. I don't know him. But Jesus gives us a clue. He said from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. You see, it's not good enough to know who God is when the sun is shining right through this window right now. The birds are chirping. chirping. Everything is great. The world is wonderful. We all have great jobs. We all have wonderful homes. We drive nice cars. Everything is wonderful. No, the real revelation of who Jesus is in my life does not come in the sun, but comes in the rain. The true revelation of who Jesus is in me, in my life, to me, is not from the mountain but it's from the valley the true revelation of who Jesus is to me does not come during 2019 but it's through 2020 it's when I'm looking at the news of the COVID deaths ticking off when I'm seeing people that I love and care about that are suffering at the hands of this COVID outbreak that I'm watching things happen and I'm, I'm reading the top 10 most deadly days in our history the Galveston hurricane that killed 8,000, Pearl Harbor, D-Day, 9-11. Major events that took the lives of thousands of Americans in one day. Now, over the last week or so, I believe that we have had at least three, I think three or four days that have entered into the top ten of, of deadliest days in American history at the hands of COVID-19. Now I get it. I know some of you are probably about to fire away. They're not all dying because of COVID. I'm not here to get into that bandwagon. Save that for the blogs. I'm just simply saying, based off the fact that we're in this climate, and I personally know of people that I know that have died from this, 
Did they have other conditions? Yeah, but they, they, they got COVID, and within a short period of time, they were gone. I know a man that I have met and heard have heard speak. He was a pastor. Many people knew him. He spent, I believe, 40 days in a coma before finally passing away from COVID. You see, the true revelation of who God is to me is not seen on the good days. It's really seen on the bad days. It's not when my marriage is perfect. It's when my marriage is struggling. It's not when everything in my life is wonderful and my kids are wonderful, my parents are wonderful. It's when I don't understand. The true revelation of who God is is not when I have money lying in my pocket. It's when I don't have two pennies to rub together. But I still say, you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. That's what I really know. It's not just an opinion, but it's what I believe. It's who I see. You see, Jesus understood, guys, you're there, but you're not quite there because really who I am is not going to come through the revelation of a miracle. The true nature of who I am is going to come through the revelation of the cross. You see, fellas, you can see who I am now, but you're going to see something different when you look up on that cross that day and you see blood dripping down my head and you see me laboring to breathe, my side being being pierced, my back being plowed, thorns in my head, nails in my hands and my feet. It's then and only then will you truly understand the revelation, but it's even greater than that. Because they're going to put me in the ground, but three days later, I'm going to rise again and I'm going to appear unto you. And it's only then and fully then that you'll see really the revelation, but it won't stop there. Because they're going to become a time that just a few short days after that, you're going to be in the city of Jerusalem. And you're going to be praying and the Holy Ghost is going to fall. And you're going to be filled with the power and the anointing and the life-changing power of the Holy Ghost. Then, and then will you see the full revelation of who I am because it won't be through knowledge, but it'll be through experience. It won't be through the good days, but you'll see the revelation of who I am through all of life's experiences. See, today is not about who you say that I am based off opinion or a blog or a post or a like or an opinion or a video or a YouTube or a live stream, or this preacher, or that preacher. All of that's great. There's some wonderful men and women out there that can share beautiful and wonderful and deep insights about God. But in the end, none of that really matters. The scribes and Pharisees knew everything there was to know about what the Word said about who God was and who Messiah would be. But they missed the revelation. And Jesus was trying to say to the disciples, listen, I'm going to show you something greater. I'm going to show you something. Because why did he say, then he commanded his disciples that they should not tell no, tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Part of that was, you can't share partial revelation. Wait till you get the full picture. Because it was later when he was standing and he was about to send it. And after he had given them the commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel, he said, go and to Jerusalem and tarry until you're endued with power and you shall receive power to become the witnesses. It wasn't until the full revelation and confirmation of a revelation that God said, now you can tell everybody. I'm not trying to give you my opinion. I don't want to give you the word. I know who Jesus is to me. I don't know where I would be today through all of this. This has been one of the most difficult times of my life, not just because of COVID, but being a pastor trying to lead a church that has literally no facility 
We have no facility trying to lead a church, be sensitive to leading of God, to navigate the most difficult time in modern history that churches have faced. Then on top of that, our family has been through crisis in, 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 our, in my immediate family. My wife and I have gone through things. Uh, we have been battled on every side. It has not been an easy fight, but it's in all of those things that I've seen God reveal himself to me in ways I've never seen and depths I've never imagined. So I want to say to you today, who, does, who do you say God is? Would I be able to look at the last month of your life? But I'll, give you, I'll be generous. I know a lot of things have happened the last month, so it may not be fair. So let's just start March 1st. The week or two before COVID gripped our nation fully. We were hearing rumors of COVID. We hear this thing happening in Washington where a few were getting sick, but most of us never imagined that it would become such a huge, life-changing event. It's March 1st. I send a camera crew to your house. You become the next installment of America's thirst for reality TV. And so for the last nine months, a camera crew has followed you around and recorded everything that you've done. And now I'm sitting down in the editing room looking back over the last nine months. I don't know you. I don't know anything about you. But based off what I'm about to see, I want to be able to tell the story of your life accurately. If I was to play back all of the footage gathered by the camera crew that has followed you around the last nine months, in the end, if I went to tell your story, what would that story be? If I was a viewer today watching the last nine months of your life, would I walk away going, there's somebody that believes that Jesus is their source. There's somebody that lives like Jesus is everything to them. There's somebody that can't make it without Jesus. Or when I go, yeah, well, oh yeah, they, they yeah, they, that, yeah, they, they went to, they, they did, they watched the live stream on Sundays every once in a while. Yeah, they went to live stream and yeah, they, they participated in a life group on Sundays and yeah, but I, I don't know. I think God was more of an accessory to their life. I think God was more of a, an afterthought because they didn't live like that. I, I didn't see the evidence of that. You see, we're not asking here about opinion. I'm asking if can you spit out the answers. How many, how many scriptures? We quoted this today. We used this book with all the promises. How many promises of God can you quote? Are they powerful? Yes. But if they're just words, they're just words. But do you know the God of the promise? It's one thing to know the promise, but it's another thing when you know the God of the promise. And not only know the God of the promise, but who is the God of the promise to you? Is he God, big God, little earth? Or is he a friend that sticketh closer to the brother? Is he the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the way maker, the miracle worker, the light in the darkness? Who is he to you? Who is he to you? I can't answer that question for you today. I can only propose the question that God gave me because I believe God wants you to answer that to him. And maybe if you would be honest with yourself and look back at the last um, nine months of your life, maybe, maybe you would see, well, 
my life hasn't exactly added up to what I'm saying. You know, um, if I came on here today and I had a table full of food and I said, you know what, I am starving today. I haven't had food in forever. I am just absolutely just famished. I guarantee you, you would be lighting up the comment box. Hello, food's right in front of you. Eat the food in front of you. Eat the food in front of you. It's right there. Eat it. I mean, you'd be lighting up. We'd break the record for the most comments ever done on an Antioch West virtual. Because I'd be saying one thing, staring in the face of the evidence that's right before me. You see, if we replayed the last nine months of your life and asked to make an assumption based on what we see, not based on what you're telling us, would we get the same answer by what we see to equal what you say. I want to give praise and glory to Jesus Christ, the Lord of my life. Can't do anything without him. That's fine. That's wonderful. Those are words. Do you live that way? Uh, God is my source. Do you live that way? God is the Lord of my life. He's, He's the king. I'm submitted fully to him. Do you live that way? That's your opinion. But you see, Peter Knew it in one way, but he hadn't lived it out completely in the other way. It's easy to say who God is when everything is perfect. But the real revelation of who God is comes in the dark places. The Bible says what's done in the dark will be revealed in the light. It's really what's forged in the fire of trial and test is really what stands The Bible talks about in the end we're judged. And one of the ways it describes judgment is the fact that God will take all the deeds to our life, all the things that we've done, and he'll put fire to that. And the things that we've done that we thought were so great according to man's opinion, the Bible said they are wood, hay, and stubble. They're just going to burn up. And the only true things are the things of God that will remain after the fire. If I set fire to your life today, what would be left? If I took all of your life Set fire to it. What would remain to that? Are you a good person? Yeah. Do you, do you care for others? Yeah. Are you a good son or daughter, husband, wife, friend, neighbor, brother, sister, cousin, aunt, uncle, whatever? Yeah. But in the end, it's really not who others say that I am. It's what God thinks of me that matters. And it's really not what others say about God that matters. In the end, it's what I believe about God. And more importantly, what I believe but how I lived. How do I live? Did I live like this? Live like this. There's a song. I'm not endorsing the song, but the lyrics come to mind. Tim McGraw, I believe, was the one who wrote it, sang it. I don't know if he wrote it, but he sang it. The song is entitled Live Like You Are Dying. It's a story of a man who receives news that he is going to die soon from cancer and begins to list all the things that he would do before he passed away. And the message of the song says we all should live like we were dying. Maybe 
we can take a little bit from that today. And I wonder if we could all live a little more like we were dying. Not to live in morbidity, not to live with our head held die in some state of depression because death is near, but to live as if this world is not our home, that we're just passing through, that our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I wonder what would change for some of us if we did live like we were dying. Again, I'm not speaking of the morbidness of walking around depressed, but I'm talking about priority. I told my wife, uh, we were riding in the car yesterday, or maybe it was Friday, and I said, you know what, I'm probably one of the few people that will make the statement, but when all this is over, I'll miss it a little bit. I'll miss what we've been through in the last nine months not dealing with COVID, but I'll miss in some ways how simple it's made life. So many things that would take up our schedule and so many tussle and bustle on the go and 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 the go. We haven't been able to go as much because of all that is with the going. I told my wife, I said, you know what? There's a part of me, I think I'll miss some of this. I think we'll look back and go, man, that was actually some some good times. Uh, during quarantine, all the evenings sit, spent with nothing to do but spend time with our kids, playing games, laughing, having family dinners, simple things. Things that used to spend so much time and really hours and hours of our day spent doing things we think were so important. Really, when those are gone, life has gone on. And I told her, I said, I think I'll miss some of this stuff. And I would hate that when all this goes back eventually to some semblance of what used to be, even though it will never be like it once was, that we don't just hit the reset button and go back to the way things were, but that we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher, and say, God, whatever you've started in me during this period of time, don't let me out of it until you finish the work. Father, I've spoken to the best of my ability what you've given me to say. I've not tried to add to or take from anything. But Lord, I speak now that your word would be confirmed in our hearts, not my words, but your words, and that a spirit of revelation would be upon our hearts and minds, that you would show us, show us who you are, and that you would be revealed to us in a greater way, not through opinion, but through seeing you and knowing you, that we not just we would not be able to quote it or speak it, but we would be able to live it out. That we would know who you are to us in Jesus' name. God bless you. But I would ask you not just to just dismiss this today and go on with your day, but maybe take a few moments when we're done here and ponder and meditate upon the question asked here today. Who do you say that I am? Who do you say Jesus is today? Only you can answer that question. But the answer to that question holds the key to eternity. And until you answer that question, there's no point really going past. <laughs>
But the answer is not in what you say. The answer is in how you live. So what's your answer? Only you know. God bless you.